Hi friends, welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. Today I want to talk to you about a really interesting perspective. One of my favorites. Did something not work or were we just not willing to fail enough for it to work? Anything that's worth doing well is worth doing poorly until we can do it well. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. I want to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects today. I want to talk to you about this idea of it didn't work. Whatever it is, it didn't work. As therapists, we hear this a lot, right? Like, we'll tell people, hey, you should try this. Like, they're like, I want to do this thing. We're like, okay, well, have you considered trying this? Or have you considered trying that? Or in the past, maybe, I've had clients who have done this and they found some success with it. And a lot of times we hear, well, that didn't work. Especially when it comes to relationships, uh, romantic relationships, and when it comes to parenting relationships. And this often sets us up to have one of my favorite conversations, which is the conversation of, did it not work or were you just not willing to fail enough for it to work? And this becomes a real game changer when we can embrace the idea that anything that I think is worth doing well, it's probably worth doing poorly and even failing at it until I am competent enough to do it well. And this is especially true of parenting. It amazes me how often I hear parents lament that what they're doing isn't working. Uh, Their friends are doing it and it isn't working and they've done it for years and it hasn't worked. I'm like, well, try something else. Oh, well, that won't work. Okay, so you'll be right where you started. What did you lose? And this actually then kind of opens the window to, I think, what drives a lot of these behaviors where we avoid failure because of the emotions that run in us for failure. I just got done having a conversation um, with a colleague who's trying to learn new software and her employer won't allow her to switch or wants her to use their software, right? So they know it's HIPAA compliant. Obviously, in the counseling field, uh, there are laws that govern how we do everything in the last three or four years, uh, virtual therapy has become uh, very popular. The hybrid model has become very popular. Uh, It is interesting. Insurance companies and, quite frankly, a lot of states are starting to pass rules. Uh, The states are passing laws and the insurance companies are making rules because they can't make laws regarding uh, the governance of virtual therapy, right? So so a lot of employers are like, no, you have to use this software because we know that this is the software that's HIPAA compliant and that it integrates with our system. And my colleague is a veteran of this field, uh, the type of veteran that has decades in the field. And so that'll give you uh, some idea as to, right, the age that we're talking about here. And and she keeps saying, but it doesn't work. And her company uses the same software we use. And I'm like, well, I use it all the time. It actually works really well. It isn't that it doesn't work. It's that what happens is when my colleague goes to use it, her emotions start to run. And we've talked about this phrase before, that story in her head. I keep threatening you that someday I'm going to write a book called uh, Taming the Temple dealing with the story in our head. And when that story starts to run, suddenly we're not willing to fail anymore. We're not willing to engage the risk of failure. And so it's important for us to realize that we're talking about a mindset, right? The idea of I'm willing to fail no matter how many times it takes 
in order to succeed. That's a mindset. But what is a mindset? And we talked, I, I mean, I don't know, many episodes ago about mental models, how we make sense of the world around us with mental models. Some schools of therapy call those schemas. But what what we really have to ask ourselves is what is a mindset? Well, a mindset is a combination of logic, emotions, and actions, right? We exist on those three planes, our cognition, our emotional state, and our volition, which is our actions. And a mindset is a state of being that crosses, that crosses all three of those. And as it crosses them, what happens? Well, if our emotions run us, then we don't do something, right? And we will not outlogic that necessarily. Sometimes we have to realize, you know what, I'm afraid and I have to do it afraid. There's there's the intersection of emotion, cognition, and volition. And, and this happens, I think, for all of us. Recently, I was contacted about the possibility of creating a book proposal. Uh, as you know, as you might know, I'm working on a book uh, that, that is more spiritual, deals with our faith more than it does uh, counseling or relationship. So it's going to be a bit, a bit of a transition from my previous books or my previous book. I've only written one that I've, that I've published. And, you know, a friend of mine calls me up. He's like, Hey, so-and-so who's a friend of my friends was like, you should make a proposal to his agent, blah, blah, blah. And so there's this template that you're, that you have to follow. And literally the whole time I'm typing, I'm like, Oh, this is wrong with it. That that's wrong with it. This is going to suck. That's going to go bad. And I have to remind myself regularly that many authors, especially, you know, authors, that weren't known would rack up 75, 80, over 100 rejection letters from agents and publishing companies. And and even if this agent doesn't like my idea or doesn't like my book or likes the idea but doesn't think I can execute it, that doesn't really necessarily mean anything other than that's that person's opinion. And I have to be willing to fail enough in order to succeed. That's the real question. And this really ties into a whole lot of things that we've talked about in the past. What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to risk for what you want. Failure falls in both of those because you will fail, so you're going to pay that. You will risk failure, so you're going to risk that because you can't risk, right? Like, that's just no duh. And so what happens is, as you lean into this, whatever this is, you have to start with a serious question. How much am I willing to fail to do this. And so I just keep putting the book proposal together. I keep scheduling time when I'm done recording this episode. I'm going to put my microphone away and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write. The best antidote for the fear of failure is to fail, is to reach out and do it. And it's terrifying because it's hard because we get tired of the fight. And that's something else that we have to recognize. When we're in the midst of failing, sometimes we just get tired and we're like, I just don't know if I can take another step. And then we have to talk, we have to check our self-talk. We've talked in the past. Do you listen to yourself or do you speak to yourself? Do you speak truth to yourself or do you just let your brain run unchecked? Because it's one thing to say, you know what? I am tired and I'm going to rest, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to be willing to fail some more in order to be successful. But this becomes a an examination if you will, of what we're doing with our inner voice. Because what you have to do is you have to wash your brain in the truth that it's okay to fail. You have to wash your brain in the truth that it is okay to start and to change your mind and go a different direction if you're doing it for a reason that aligns with your why. And this is really 
where all of these conversations have to end up. Why are you doing it? In a few weeks, I'm going to talk to some teachers about uh, their school year and about their profession as part of their professional development. And uh, there's a joke that I always like to crack with teachers. I always know who are the most stringent on their classroom behaviors based on how poorly they act in these professional developments right? And, and usually that gets their attention. And then I lead it up with this. Why did you start teaching? Because it's really easy to forget that in the middle of all the chaos that is a teacher's life. Why did you start? That's the question I have. If you're not willing to fail at it until you're good at it, why did you start? Why? And once you have that, why are you going to stop? And sometimes Honestly, sometimes you're like, you know what? The why when I started isn't actually worth what I would need to pay and risk for. It's not worth it to me. And so I will stop. I will back away from this. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago. He's like, you're too busy. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what else to cut. I don't do YouTube videos anymore. In fact, I've thought about it. I don't do YouTube videos anymore because of time, because the why for that isn't worth the price when I have other things. I've thought about killing this podcast. I'll be really honest with you. In fact, I had almost made up my mind this summer and then some things happened that kind of changed my mind because I'm always looking at why am I doing whatever I'm doing and why would I keep going or why would I stop? And if I have that why firmly affixed and I know why I need to chase something, well, then we probably got to chase and we probably got to fail. And so, for instance, blogging, I was talking to someone and, and they were like, well, you know, the services that they offer were blogging. And I was like, wait, I thought blogging was dead. And she was like, no, no, it's not at all. It's just changed. And I started to research it and I did tell her, I was like, you know, it would be hard for me to pay for blogging when not, I would still do the writing, but they would give the keywords. But like, I've done that in the past and, and I've been pretty successful at it. Uh, so I'm debating. Am I going to restart my blog this fall? And if I do, why am I going to start it? Because you need your why when you are stuck in failing, when you are afraid to go one more time because the last seven times you failed or the last 10 times you failed or just the last time you failed. You need to have your why. This is good self-talk. We talk all the time about self-talk and self-care. Part of good self-care is coming back to your why. And so when I go talk to the teachers, I'm going to ask them, why did you start teaching? Why did you get into this field? Right? And, and let's be honest. I know when I was in grad school, one time somebody said to me, why do you want to get in this field? I said, well, I need to make money to pay my bills. And they're like, oh. but that is part of it. There's a reason that I do what I do, right? That I went to school and went into debt so that I could pay my bills, so that I could help my kids get through college college, et cetera, et cetera. But there's bigger whys to that. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes in trying to pay the bills, I can forget about those bigger whys. Sometimes when people betray you, I can forget about those bigger whys. And you have to lean back into why did I start this? And why would I stop? It's okay. It, it, literally, it's okay to stop. But w what I'm going after, hopefully in this episode, is the idea that we need to stop saying, well, I tried it and it didn't work once. I see this all the time with parenting, right? Well, what about devices? Why don't you try? Well, I'm not willing to try that. I literally, I had a woman tell me one time, she's like, well, I tried that one afternoon and it didn't work. I'm like, wow, you did it for like a whole afternoon? She's like, yeah, at least three hours. I'm like, you're going to have to look at probably three months, maybe three years. She's like, well, I'm not willing to waste that much time. Here's the problem with that idea. Whether you like it or not, you're playing a long game when it comes to parenting. Everything you do as a parent is the long game. Everything. It's the long game. Well, I got to keep them alive. Yeah. Okay. We can split hairs if you want, but it's the long game, right? And so why did you start whatever it is you're doing, the intervention? What is it that you're trying to accomplish at the end? What's your end game? What's your end desired result? 
And so parenting is hard. Parenting is hard because there are a lot of times where you just want to stop, right? I had a woman tell me one time, I don't make my kids do chores. It's just easier for me to do them because I do them right. The problem with that is then what happens when those kids become adults, right? And so this is the what question. What happens if I continue and succeed? What happens if I continue and never succeed? What happens if I quit? And there are things that I have quit. There are things that I have backed out of and, and I'm glad that I backed out of them. There are things that I have quit that I'm glad that I quit because when I ran the price value cost analysis. I was like, this isn't worth it. But there are other things I'm like, no, this is worth it. I'm going to keep going in. I'm going to keep failing even though my brain is screaming at me to stop because of the risk of failure. And a beautiful truth is you can run this backwards, right? You can go back in time and look at things that you started and be like, why did I start that? Why did I do it? What what was my what was my reasoning at the time? How did my reasoning change? And some of this comes back to expectations, of course. Often I'll ask myself, okay, well, what did I expect was going to happen? So like if you're going to do something, anything that matters, what are your expectations about it? Do you want to get in shape? Okay, well, what does that entail? And how do you think it's going to go? You visualize it ahead of time. This is part of the failing process. I think part of it is we only celebrate successes. We kind of punish mistakes. This is something else I'm going to talk to my teacher friends about. Celebrate mistakes in your room. Parents, celebrate the things that your kids try and that they fail at. I, I know I've shared this story before, but somewhere there's a video running around uh, about a female entrepreneur. I think she was one of the first female entrepreneurs uh, to grow a, a company to a billion dollars um, in, in a very short time. And, and she said one of the things, like they asked her, like, so, so what's different about you? And she said, one of the things that is different about me is that I celebrate failures. And when they asked me that, she was like, well, when I was a kid, we'd sit at the dinner table and my dad would ask us, what did you fail at today? And she said, invariably, we would all try to lead with the things that we succeeded at. And he'd be like, that's awesome. That's nice. That's good. I don't remember his exact words. But what did you fail at today? What did you try and not get right? And he would celebrate those big high fives, loud cheers, because he wanted to normalize for them that there is a difference between failing and failure. And failure is quitting. And it's not necessarily quitting on the thing that you tried. It's just quitting. And I think we all get there at some point. We all get to days and weeks combined where we're like, man, I just, I don't want to go back into this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I see this all the time when I'm working with people trying to come up with boundaries for toxic relatives, toxic parent. I know a guy who, who's, he's an adult. He's, in fact, he has adult children. So and he might even have grandchildren, but I don't think they're adults. Uh, and, and his parents are toxic and he's constantly trying to balance out what does it mean to have boundaries with them and recognize that their time on earth is short and I want to honor them and respect them. What does that mean? How do I do that? And he has failed at it. In fact, he would tell you, I failed at it a ton. But every time he's failed, he's walked away with more knowledge. He's learned something. And so the question for you is why did you start? Why do you want to quit? And it's okay. You might actually come up with a really compelling reason to quit. Uh, when I was in my PhD program, a, a lot of things happened that made it make sense to drop out. I might go back. I might not. I don't know. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that I know why I quit and I know it was the right decision because it reflected my values. It put my family first over my education. And, and that is the next question, the last question. Whatever you choose to do, if you choose to keep going forward, if you choose to quit, how does that reflect your values? How does that reflect the impact that you want to leave on this earth? How does that reflect what you want to be marked by. That's really the thing to wrestle out with this book that I'm writing, Hiding Behind God. What happens 
when we use God in ways that he never told us to do. That won't be quite like that. That's not very good grammar. I told a friend of mine, I'm like, either six people are going to read it and hate it and that's it. Or I don't know. It could be go the other way. Could, I don't know. I don't know. And that is one of the things. But here's the thing. I know that it reflects my values because there's like this book bubbling up inside of me. It does bring up a question that if you've listened to this point, I'm hoping you'll give me some feedback. I'm thinking about starting a second podcast, which is kind of funny, right? Because I just told you that I thought about killing this one. I'm thinking about starting a second podcast that deals totally with religious and spiritual themes. Or I could drop some of those episodes in this podcast. Now, here's the thing. When I look at the demographics, I know that not all of my listeners are from a faith orientation. And I'm curious, am I going to lose you if one week a month, two weeks a month, you sign in and there's something that's blatantly spiritual? And Now, I think that we all have this craving for some level of a, a spiritual interaction in our hearts. I think we're designed that way. Uh, but, but I want to know because one of my values is I want to get as much information that will help people out to as many people as I can. And so what I'm debating here is the why. Why would I start a second podcast? Why would I incorporate those ideas into this podcast? Why would I make a shift after roughly five years of of podcasting? Why would I make a, a topic shift? Why would I do it? And how does it reflect my values? And that's what I want you to ask yourself. Whatever it is you're doing today, whatever it is you're thinking about quitting today, and maybe you need to quit. I just want to give you permission for that, which is so weird. I think that we need other people to give us permission, but maybe you need to quit something today. That's okay. But why? Why would you do that and how would it reflect your value? All right, one of my favorite topics. Did it not work or were you just not willing to fail enough for it to work? Someday I'm going to write a book on that too. I have a lot of books that I want to write. A friend of mine asked me the other day, if you could do whatever you wanted, what would you do? I was like, man, I would write more, way more books than I'm currently. I'd write books at a far faster rate than I'm currently pushing them out. So here we go. Put it out there. Let me know. Send me emails. Uh, however you want to get in touch with me. By now, most of you know how to get a hold of me. What are you thinking about the podcast? Should I just incorporate some spiritual ideas into it? Would that turn you off? Look, if, if it is, if you're like, hey, I'm not interested in anything that's blatantly spiritual, just let me know. You're not going to offend my. You're not going to offend me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I want to give you information that is helpful to you. And if you're not going to listen, then I can't do that. So let me know, and maybe I start another one. Maybe I incorporate it into this. Who knows? Maybe there's a third option that I haven't thought about. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.